Hello, everyone, and welcome into a fresh edition of the Not Another Bucking podcast. I'm your host, Nick Kosmider, Broncos beat reporter at The Athletic. It is week 18. Denver's season is one game from being finished. The Broncos head to Las Vegas to take on the Raiders in the season finale on Sunday at 225 Mountain Time, a 125 kickoff there in Las Vegas. The Broncos trying to finish with their first winning season since 2016. The Broncos are 8-8 eight and eight after beating the Chargers last week, but of course were eliminated from the playoffs. Um, brought in our guest this week, Nate Kreckman, who you guys have heard a few times on the podcast. Uh, always thrilled to get Nate on to get his sort of big picture perspective. And we're going to dive a lot into you know, what comes next for the Broncos after the dust settles from this last game, um, you know, tackling some of the big offseason questions, what we make of this season, how much the last two weeks with the Russell Wilson benching, um, you know, is, is going to drive conversation and and drive action for the Broncos going forward. So Nate and I will break down all of that. A couple of just quick notes. Uh, the Broncos got three Pro Bowlers in, uh, voted in this week. Pat Sertan, the, the all-pro cornerback, made a second straight Pro Bowl. Justin Simmons makes the second of his career after also being a pro bowler in 2020. Marvin Mims, the rookie, makes it as a return specialist. So he'll be down there in Orlando with his teammates. Um, Michael Burton, the fullback, and Quinn Miners, the offensive guard, were selected as alternates. Um, you know, so that again, big, big for the Broncos who are trying to finish this season um, by knocking off some more milestones we haven't seen for this team in a while. They're on pace to. Average the second most points for the team, or, or I'm sorry, average the most points for the team since 2015. They're trying to uh, have a winning division record for the first time since 2015, win two division road games for the first time since 2015. Um, there's a lot at stake. This this feels like a, about as, you know, sort of big as a finale you can have without those playoff implications hanging on it. And of course, the Raiders are trying to win for Antonio Pierce, who the team has come out and said, this is who they want players wise to be their head coach. So um, you know, eager for this game, even without the playoff implications, um, should be really interesting. But we're going to get now to our conversation with Nate Kreckman, breaking down some of the bigger picture stuff the Broncos face going forward. Check it out. All right. Welcome to Buck back. I am so excited to uh, bring back. That's good. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've been working on that one, workshopping it. Uh, frequent guest of the program, Nate Kreckman of the Kreckman and Lindahl Show on 92.5 FM, FM every day, Monday through Friday from 3 to 6, right? Got that one? Got that one now? That is correct. Yes. Six. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know so when the, the show you regularly appear on is on the radio. That's good, Nick. Yeah. You know, I, I know that uh, I know that it's on at 4 because that's usually around the time that I hop on with you guys. You're so. a 4 o'clock hour guy, middle of the week. Yeah, we four put you right in that sweet spot. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you know, you're in the you middle, want... you're right in the middle of the field. So Russell Wilson would have never thrown it to you. Right, right. You don't want me at the beginning because then people will just sort of like, oh, let's let's tune out. You don't want me at the end either because that's just, you know, you, you always want to finish strong. And Nate, that's what the Broncos are trying to do. They're trying yes. to finish strong. They are eight and eight. But gosh, if they don't have something to play for on Sunday afternoon in the, in the Nevada desert. Um, in all seriousness, I'm, I'm curious does anything that could happen Sunday will, will when you sit back and, and try to take your sort of big picture thousand foot view of this season, anything that could happen on Sunday would alter your opinion at all of the, of the team and what this season was. I think so. Like I do think it's meaningful to have a winning record. It yeah. would be the Broncos first 
since 2016. I, I do think it's meaningful to, you know, take a go from five wins to nine wins. That's a big step forward to go over the preseason win total of eight and a half for a team that started yeah, one some money. Yeah. Make people some money for a team that started one in five. I, I don't think that that's a small accomplishment. Like really you would call that a good year one in Sean Payton. If this team actually had a winning record, not to mention you get the famous Sean Payton line, not our hump. Well, you would snap a seven-game losing streak against the Raiders. I do believe it was meaningful to snap the losing streak against the Chiefs earlier in the year, although apparently not meaningful enough to not threaten benching Russell Wilson, but still meaningful. Um, I, I do think that that stuff is important, and I do think that there are young players on this team that you want to see them have good performances and go into the offseason with some positive momentum. And you certainly don't want anybody to get injured, whether um, the guys that you want on your roster or guys you don't want on your roster next year. You don't want anyone to get injured. So I, I don't view this game as meaningless. I do think that there is really some important symbolic um, achievements that the Broncos can have. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I, I think that this season has a chance – and and it, it's not as if the the sort of the, the pendulum of, of how we view this season in totality swings on, on on this one game, but but I definitely agree that like you have to beat the Raiders, man. Like yep. if you're if you're if you're the Broncos, like losing every game since 2020, they've never won in Las Vegas. And, and you mentioned the, the, the first winning season. There's a couple other things that they can do. They can have their first winning division record since 2015. They can have their first season of two division road wins since 2015. Um, they're right now on pace to have their their highest per game scoring average since 2015, um, which as long as they don't, you know, score, you know, zero or three or seven points on, on Sunday, they will probably, um, you know, eclipse that. So um, I, I think there's all of those things that are positive. And if you get to nine and eight, you can at the very least, I think, take this season – out of the same bucket in which we viewed all these other kind of years yeah. over the last five, six, seven of them doesn't guarantee anything for next year. Um, you know, you would think that the chiefs will finally get, go get somebody that can catch a pass and, and get back on the track that they're, they've been on for all these years. But I just, yeah, I, I think for a non playoff implication type game, it's yeah, it's, it's meaningful. And on the other side, the Raiders, I mean, they want that dude, Antonio Pierce to be their head coach. The players yeah. do clearly. Um, so, so they've got stakes too. So yeah, should be, you know, should be a fun afternoon. Plus it's it, Jared Stidham is playing his old team. Okay. Poo -poo that? that if, if you start want. already facing a former team. I know exactly. And the team that he started two games for last year, and he had that great game against the Niners where he racked up a, a whole bunch of numbers last year. Like for Jared Stidham, this is start number two of his NFL career. Uh, this is his, you know, first road start in a Broncos uniform. I, there is something to that. And you know, regardless of how this quarterback situation plays out going into next year, like I'm 90% confident that Jared Stidham is at least going to be a part of a quarterback competition, if not the presumed number one going into next season. So like it, we, we made a big deal out of Drew Locke's final five starts, um, you know, in 2020. Let's make something out of the end of year number one of Jared Stidham 
there's something there, right? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Um, Jared Stidham is going to be on this roster uh, in the off season. He's under contract. There's, there's not a fathomable reason that you could think of that he wouldn't be there, that they would yeah. move on from him. He's an um, inexpensive quarterback and they need inexpensive players. Even if you, even if you draft a quarterback in the first round that you are determined to start from day one, you still have to have a backup quarterback. You already have one. Um, you've already given him 5 million of his, um, you know, 10 million guaranteed. So um, yeah, there, there's, there's no, no risk. There's only really upside that you can have, you know, w- with his start, because I, it's not, no matter how well he plays, it's not as if they're going to be, Sean's going to leave the stadium and say, that's my guy for next year. As much right. as he might like Jared Stidham, like it is going to be an absolutely, and stop me if you've heard this before covering this team, uh, all things on the table, all options on the table for the quarterback position in 2022. Um, so like that's, that's sort of this game. That That's part of what I wanted to dive into next, Nate, is when that, when the dust settles there in Las Vegas and we, we, we officially kick off this, this long off season, what, what is going to be, I guess, like the first thing that you are going to be most, most curious to hear talked about by team leadership or the most interest thing that you're interested to see have happen with the team? Like what, what's going to capture your attention as we go forward? It's the rust decision. And it, and it, I, to me, it will start with, whether it's Penner or Peyton or whomever it is that talks, whoever was privy to the conversation, because apparently Sean Payton wasn't, whichever one of them talks, um, I do want to hear their side of the bi-week negotiation with Russell Wilson. Did they threaten to bench him? Um, Was that something that was misconstrued and lost in translation? I, I would love to hear their side of that story. I don't know how much of their side of the story we're going to hear, um, but I do want to hear from the organization what actually happened from their perspective because it's been nothing but radio silence. From their end, Russ is the only one that has talked. And then after that, it is, okay, now what what is going to happen with Russell Wilson? The The assumption is, and and I'm thinking you're probably on the on the same tree here, Nick, is it will be the cutting him with the post June 1st designation and the splitting the dead cap number up over two years of 2024 and 2025. That feels most likely right now, but I won't rule out the possibility that the Broncos could try to trade Russell Wilson and, and perhaps, you know, send a premium draft pick along with Russ to get some team to take some of the money up. I could see that being a possibility, a small possibility, but I do think it could potentially happen. I'm, I'll say it's a non-zero chance. And then there's also the possibility that nobody from the team is ruling out. I don't see a path to this place, but that nobody is ruling out is that somehow Russ is back in a Bronco uniform next year. I don't know what that would look like or how they would get to that place, but also you can't completely rule it out. So it's the Russ thing. Cause honestly, Nick, the Russ thing was going to be the whole off season anyway, whether it's only more interesting now because he was benched two weeks ago. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Like we, that was going to be, it, it was going to be the first question that got asked to whoever sat in front of that auditorium, you know, on a, on exit interview day or, or however you want to categorize it. Um, that was going to be the first question, just like it was at the end of last season. Like, how are you going forward with, with Russell Wilson last year? It was, 
it, it was obvious they were still going to go into a second season d- despite how disastrous 2022 had been because the the number was just unfathomable for moving yeah. on at that point. Now you can at least entertain what that looks like. And, and clearly they've, they've done all the accounting, all the number crunching, all the doomsday scenarios. Um, I'm with you. I, I think the one other thing that we, you know, we always sort of lay out these things the best we can in terms of like, this is what they, this is, this is what the money will look like if they cut him. This is, um, you know, this is, this is how it will look if they, if they eat it all at once or if they, they split it up, whatever the case might be. Um, but the NFL always has a way of like surprising us with some sort of like contract jujitsu that <laughs> right. two sides come together and do like invent some new loophole. Um, you know, parties come to the table that, that you, you thought were completely acrimonious and divorced and somehow find a path forward. Um, contract wise, I could see that happening. The, the, but the bottom line here is that I don't think Sean Payton wants Russell Wilson to be his quarterback. Exactly. And so at the end of the day, none of the other stuff really matters because it, it doesn't matter if a guy is going to take half as much as he's already making or whatever the case might be, if he doesn't believe that that he can guide them into the end zone more frequently. Like, that's what this comes down to. So I'm with you. I, I think how they talk about it is going to be important relative to how they get, you know, teams involved. If there, if there is an opportunity to to trade him, um, you know, the, the Broncos with this ownership group, like this is sort of like this has been kind of their first big well, controversy. But but where the, the eyes of the league are saying, wait, this is you know, this is this ownership group that's that's come in and had all these sort of, um, you know, really positive vibes. They've been talked about highly in all corners and all of a sudden here you have this this star player who's saying I was not treated well by this organization so I I, I would think that um, whatever it looks like there's going to be some sort of public defense of themselves it won't surprise me if they're like they're pretty limited in what they talk about from the contract perspective um, and, and sort of what that conversation looked like but you know I would imagine that the, the organization is going to defend itself because you know, in the sphere of public opinion, they, they were taking a lot of arrows this week. Yeah. No, they really did. They, they lost the PR battle. And Russ got out in front of the whole thing and and really made the organization look bad. So I, I firmly expect a pretty vehement defense in whatever capacity that they can. Backing up a second to you talking about what what is ultimately the, the reason this story exists. Sean Payton doesn't want Russell Wilson to be his quarterback. That that part of it is blatantly obvious right here. That that's why there really is no path forward. And you think back to the year and when something like this happens and you reach this end, it magnifies things you heard or did not hear as we went through it all. And really, at no point this year did Sean Payton make any sort of case that Russell Wilson's his guy. That, right. that just never really happened. He, um, quite frankly, was more publicly critical of him, um, sometimes in a backhanded way and sometimes directly, whether it's talking about the wristband, whether it's been talking about third down troubles or red zone troubles or whatever it may be. Like, Sean has had no problems basically not aligning himself with Russell Wilson. And now he's starting – Jared Stidham started him against the Chargers. He'll start him again against the Raiders. One of the key differences here, Nick, is that Jared Stidham 
between the two of them is the only guy that Sean Payton chose. Yep. You know, he, he went and got him right away at the start of free agency and maybe talked him out of maybe situations where he would have had a quicker path to being able to play to have him here in Denver. And one thing about Sean Payton is you look at back at his track record, generally he's one with quarterbacks that he's chosen that he's wanted. Now, obviously, it started with Drew Brees, but the guy, he won with Teddy Bridgewater. He won with Taysom Hill. He won with Jameis Winston. Um, he didn't win with Ian Book, but I'm not going to hold that against Sean Payton. Like, generally, if if Sean Payton identifies a guy and says, this is a fit, he'll figure out a way to be able to win with that dude. And, and I don't discount that. Like, I'm not confusing Jared Stidham for anybody's, you know, future all pro or anything else like that. But Sean Payton has a pretty good track record of like, if he likes a guy, he'll figure out how to win with that guy. Yeah. And and I think too, is um, he like the other, the other, I guess, uh, foot forward that Jared Stidham has is that like, one of the things that I, I've really kind of paid attention to and has, has perked my ears up this week is this talk of, of, of continuity. And it's, it's a super nebulous term, right? But we forget how, how infrequently the Broncos have enjoyed that particular component for their franchise over the last seven years. Um, It has been a very fleeting thing, especially when you're talking about offensive systems um, and, and the things that you need in place offensively to build any sort of discernible momentum have been absent. Um, I've heard you talk about this too, Nick, of like, and and I'm sure you'll write much more about this, but the step forward that guys take year one to year two when you play for Sean Payton. Yeah. And, and, you know, it was funny, man, Marvin Mims, you know, made, made the Pro Bowl as a rookie returner this year. So he talked to us um, here on Thursday today and, um, you know, it was, it was a lot of, you know, um, just, you know, under the radar kind of talk about thankful for the opportunity and all that kind of stuff. But he was talking some about like looking forward to next year and what the offense might be able to build on. And he kind of shared this anecdote that when they got to training camp or when they were about to get to training camp, because Mims had already been through sort of the, the rookie mini camp um, that, that they do right after the draft where they, they, they give them the first batch of the, the install there. Um, he had guys, veteran players who were coming up to him and like asking him questions about the offense. Like that's how new it was to, to, to the majority of these guys, save for, um, you know, a couple of the saints dudes that had, had, that had joined the team. Like it's just sort of startling where you're just like, yeah, man, like nobody knows what, you know, what the hell, like everybody knows who Sean Payton is, but that doesn't mean you're like verse in his language. You're not in it. And so again, I, I think that's so much of this too, is that like he expects a lot of these other guys to, to take a step forward. And I, I don't think it's that he like, doesn't think Russ would like gain, you know, knowledge of the offense and what that could do. But I just think he, he sees the limitations specific to, to where they're going yeah. that, that just don't allow him to be part of the equation. Yeah. A particular skill set. You wrote about it um, in the athletic on Thursday, which was three more intermediate level throws in this game than the Broncos had had in any other game 
of the season. I'm talking about the Charger yeah. game with Jared yeah. Stidham. You know, 60% of targets going to wide receivers. Like, it's a one-game sample size. Let's not overrate it, but also it's very clear um, that between throwing to wide outs more, throwing to that unused portion of the field, plus I think next-gen stats had Jared Stidham's time to throw at 2.67 seconds last yeah. week against the Chargers. Russ was at, I think, over three seconds for the season. Drew Brees was always one of the fastest at getting the ball out. The ball is getting out in a rhythm. I think that benefits the wide receivers. I think that generally benefits the entire offense. Again, is Jared Stidham the athlete that Russell Wilson is? Of course not, but I don't think that's what Sean Payton's looking for. Yeah, he doesn't want to live off schedule. I, mm-hmm. I, I think that's the thing is that I can't remember what it was, but he, he broke down when, when he first got hired. He was talking about you know, the, the number of plays, like the percentage of plays that should be clean, the percentage of plays where you're going to get the pocket muddied because of pressure. And, and, and then there was like some other percentage where, you know, the quarterback just sort of decides to, you know, to, to make it to a second act play. And, 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 you know, his sort of telling of that percentage was that it, it, it needed to favor sort of the, the clean operational play. And I don't think that's completely unique to, to what anybody's trying to do, right? You, you design a play, you want to block it well, you want to, you want to hit it. But so much of the rhythm of their offense, and we talked about this before the season, Nate, like how what, what Russell Wilson had done historically just did not match the profile of how Sean Payton coaches and what he looks for. Like statistically, it was like this round peg square hole kind of situation that you could just see if you had never even watched the tape, but just looked at the numbers. Um, and so then you start to see it like, you know, anecdotally, some of the things that frustrated Sean Payton. Um, you mentioned it like game two in that commander's game where they, they finish and he's talking about how, you know, Russell Wilson needs to be sharper out of the huddle, like week two, like yeah. that, that's early in a relationship to be, to be saying that, Oh, I hate how, I hate how she hogs the covers. Like that's, you know, that's, <laughs> that's really on, man. yeah, it, it happened quickly. And, um, it just goes back to, you look back at all of the signs along the way and Russ was just, he was not going to be Sean's guy. And clearly, like, Sean was able to sell that vision uh, to the front office and to ownership. And, and, and he, was, he was able to make it clear of we, there's a, there is a hard ceiling on what I'm capable of being able to do um, with this guy as my quarterback. And ultimately, you know, what, whatever disagreement went on inside the room, and I'm sure Greg Penner would have much rather just had Russell Wilson on his team making all of that money instead of it being in dead cap space. But um, in the end, like it, it, it's pretty clear, like Sean's getting what he wanted here. The organization is choosing Sean's vision and, you know, to be fair, like they're choosing that over a 35 year old declining quarterback. Yeah. I think that Russ did some good things this year, Nick, but like you you cannot have that much of your salary cap tied up in a player you just don't like. Yeah, and 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 one that doesn't doesn't like lift you on a week to week basis. I, right. I think the big talk that Sean always, Sean Payton always has is like knowing what you can expect out of out of guys on a week in week out basis. It's not about like necessarily like how how good it is. It's not like you're expecting to have 
you know, Cortland Sutton be Justin Jefferson every week, as nice as that right. might be. But it's about like knowing exactly what you're going to get. And there's just too, there was just too much of a roller coaster with Russell Wilson that you could go five games in a row without turning the ball over. And then all of a sudden you have this this flurry of them. Um, I, I think that that killed him. And I, and I will forever think that their inability to punch the ball in deep in the red zone is, is what ultimately like poisoned that relationship. Um, Sean Payton has been beside himself at times. And that's not to say that, that he you give him some true serum and he would, he would admit that he's played a hand in it at times, but just their unreal lack of ability to finish drives in the end zone. Like they, they, they are averaging again. I think that's where, if you're a Broncos fan, you, you have to be somewhat optimistic about what comes forward because I mean, let's, let's talk about this. They've averaged 20, uh, 21.4 points per game this year that, you know, that's like 20th in the league, but it's, it is better than they've had since, since 2015. And that is while having the league's like worst uh, goal to go offense that they, what they, they're like 23rd in red zone overall, but when it's first and goal inside the 10 yard line, they, it's a coin flip. Like the league average is 75% and they're at about 50. So just, just imagine if, if he's really thinking like, all I need there is a quarterback putting us in the better plays more frequently. Um, or whatever the case might be, I do, I do think he pinned a lot of that on Russ, fairly or unfairly. I think a lot of it probably is fair. Um, but like that's if if you if you fix that and all other things equal, like think of how many points you're adding to your ledger there. And it's a playoff um, team. It's a playoff team, one hundred percent. If they were yeah. if they were league average this year or even close to it in those goal to go situations, we're talking five or six more touchdowns. We're talking playoffs like that. It's as simple as that. Yeah, it's it's what this team would have been. And, you know, like it's funny. I did the and I was texting about you, you about all this earlier in the day. I was doing some amateur capology. OK, and admittedly, uh, I, I I am not qualified to be doing this work. But you know what? They put it on the Internet, so I'm allowed it's to. Right? The internet. It's my tool to use. If if Spotrack and and overthecap.com are there, then I'm allowed to use those things, right? And and, and one of the There's biggest no disclaimer things is telling you to put the scissors away, right? Like No, this. exactly. But one of the biggest things that that I found while going really delving into this, and I didn't have any preconceived notion about all this. I was just sort of looking at it as like what has to happen to this roster after this year and people paint the dead i th- i think there's maybe a misconception about what dead money actually is or or at least a misconception about how bad it is yeah like don't get me wrong it's not ideal <laughs> you would prefer <laughs> you know to have every dollar that's under your salary cap going to productive players like that's certainly what you're aiming for it's also an impossible goal the way that the that the system is set up and just because of the very nature of the sport but like the biggest thing that i figured out is just like whether russ was on the roster or off the roster it doesn't change their cap right it it it's the same situation it's just that if russ is here then sean payton has a quarterback he doesn't want if Russ is gone, then Sean Payton is preferably playing somebody that he actually likes. But the occupied cap space of Russ here or Russ gone, as it stands right now, is basically the same. 
in any roster gymnastics and anything they're going to have to do with their cap to get back into a reasonable spot because they are in a rough spot going into this offseason. Well, they were going to have to do that regardless whether or not Russell Wilson was on this team. And the the thing that Bronco fans are going to have to get used to is there's going to be some players that they like that aren't going to be here next year. But the thing is, is that they probably weren't going to be here anyway, even if Russell Wilson was back there playing quarterback. So this is going to be a very different looking roster coming up here next year, but not really any different than it would have other than old number three ain't back there anymore. Yeah, you're you're totally right. The the, the one sort of um, addendum to that is, so when when you cut a player, um, what happens is all of his guarantees accelerate onto that next year's cap. So if the Broncos were to just take it all in one chunk, it would be it would be the eighty five million. So yeah. in that situation, it is um, it it is a lot more that, that you're paying. That's into. a that's a killer. Yeah. What I'm saying is I'm doing the math post yeah. June first designation. And, exactly. and if any, but by the way, anybody that's listening to the Not Another Bucking podcast has read your work and knows this stuff like the back of their hand. But just to reiterate, um, if if the Broncos just cut him right at the end of the year, Nick's right about that. $85 million dead cap. Okay. That's a killer. Yeah. <laughs> you can't do that. Okay. Now there is a different kind of cut where it's called a post June 1st designation where he doesn't officially get cut until that date. And then you can take the 85 million and you can split it up in two chunks, one in 24, one in 25. The one in 24 is 35 million. The one in 25 is almost 50 million which again, that's that's bad. But if Russ had been on the roster, well, you would have paid him $55 million yeah. in 25. Yeah. So it's essentially the same thing. And it's not perfect. It's not a great situation. It's not where you want to be. It, it's something that happened because um, they gave Russ a giant contract and then turns out they didn't get what they paid for. But um, the, the Broncos are going to have to unload some dudes and I don't know. Do you want to start tossing some names around here, Nick? Yeah, that, uh, yeah we definitely can. I, I think the one the, the the one point the one end point I want to put on your thing because you're absolutely right about about the dead money. Here's the top four teams in the NFL this year in terms of dead money they played with on their cap. Tampa Ooh. Bay Buccaneers at uh, are number one at seventy five million. A lot of that related to Tom Brady retiring. Um, yep. They are going to probably win the NFC South. Right. All they have to do is not beat lose Carolina. The, beat Carolina. Correct. Um, the fighting David Teppers will not uh, not stop Baker Mayfield from getting in the playoffs. Uh, number two, 74.2 million in dead money is the Los Angeles Rams, who are yep. not only going to the playoffs, but playing about as well as anyone this side of Baltimore, you know, really? They're right already now. in. Yeah, they're, they're already in. They're already in. And uh, number three, Green Bay Packers, $57 million. They still have a path. Um, mm-hmm. to, are, they, are they winning in as well? They just got to beat the Bears and they're in. Yeah, winning in. Um, number four in the dead money situation is the Philadelphia Eagles at 54.7 million. And while they have certainly scuttled of late, they are, they are in potentially could even still win the NFC East, although that, that seems like, uh, less likely for them, but, but nonetheless, um, you can certainly navigate around these things. A lot of times you have dead money because it's players who like, again, you were going to pay anyway. You're moving off of them sometimes because you simply have better options behind them. Yeah. Um, you know, that that's not the case with 
um, you know, with everybody. But, you know, for, for example, a lot of the dead money for the Packers is, is Aaron Rodgers. Yep. Um, you know, but, but Jordan Love playing pretty damn good football. And so, again, you, the, the way that it kills you is if you're, if you're having to just simply move off guys because you need to get under the cap and, and you don't have discernible options that are, that are better, that's where you start to get into trouble. And if you don't have the draft picks coming in behind them, um, that's one area where, where the Broncos, it's going to hurt them a little bit because they have six picks and none in the second round. But yeah, yeah dead money, and, you, can, you can navigate it. And, and that's why when you start talking about some of the bigger names on next year's payroll, you have to try and trade these guys. You know, you, you have to try and, you know, probably at best because of the money that's going with them, you're getting mid-round picks, but you got to try and make these trades. Um, the, the, some of the biggest ones that I came up with, Garrett Bowles, um, Justin Simmons, Tim Patrick, DJ Jones. The reason I bring up those four names, Nick, is all four of those guys are entering the last years of their respective deals and would offer you the greatest cap savings. Right Now, I'm not going to pretend for one second like it wouldn't kill to lose Justin Simmons and or DJ Jones, who are, you know, two of the three best players on your defense, probably along with Patrick Sertan. Um, But those are just, those are a few names of guys that, you know, the the Broncos are going to have to take a hard look at. And again, like I said, they were going to have to make a decision on these same players, whether Russ was on the roster or not. Um, But there is a path right now. um, I think it was over the cap had the Broncos projected at 27.2 million over the cap in 2024. For example, if they were to jettison all four of those guys, um, that would get them 23 million under the cap. Yeah. Which is where they do have to get to eventually. But that's according to my amateur capology, that's sort of what you're looking at. These are the hard decisions that they're going to have to make. It's not a guarantee that all of them would be gone, but these are the kind of names that the team's going to be looking at. Yeah. I think, I think certainly in that pool, there is going to be, um, some players that they that they simply do move on from. Maybe you get some late round compensation. Um, mm. The other thing too, when you look at a guy like Tim Patrick, he's got he missed the last two seasons. He's got no guaranteed money left on his deal. Right. Um, so so he, obviously his market is not going to be much of anything out there for him. Unfortunately, so what what the Broncos could do is come back and say, hey, let's let's restructure what we have left on this deal. And essentially, just make it a really incentive-based, um, you know, contract where he can, you know, he can earn some of it back with, with, with by hitting certain incentives, game time, stats, whatever the case might be. Playing football, playing football would be a big part of it. Yeah, that that would have to be a pretty elemental part of the contract. But but he would he would, um, you know, so he'd have the opportunity, uh, you know, to to stay at a team where he's really well respected in the locker room. Um, yep. You know, has some of the, the continuity that we talk about. Um, but, but isn't going to probably find a market out there. Well, now you've, you've completely changed his cap number for, for 2024, brought it way down from, I think his cap number is what, like 11 million or something like that right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. A little 12, something like that. Yeah. So it, like you could, you could bring that sucker all, you know, all the way down. Um, you know, so, so those are some of the, some of the games that they can play with guys who are maybe like Garrett Bowles, same, same thing. You, you, you know, he hasn't made a, he was an all pro in 2020 as he got that contract, you know, not the same. Now you can, again, no, when it, when a guy doesn't have any guaranteed money left, 
the team has some leverage to come in and say, Hey, if you want some of this money guaranteed, you know, let, let's make that happen for you, but then let's, let's do this, move this money around, whatever the case might be. Um, right. So you can, you can get some of this done without out and out cutting guys. But to your point, sometimes that's cleaner. Sometimes you're ready to move on anyway. Um, sure. You know, I, I worry about, I worry about certainly the depth at, at safety, it, no matter how many guys that they've tried to draft seemingly. Justin just, Simmons get that is right. so good. And you know, there, there are other options in there. Like to me, Simmons is the one that would kill you the most to lose. Um, they could make a decision on Jerry Judy, you know, yeah. and, and that could offer up $13 million or, you know, who, who knows? Maybe the Broncos would love to have him around. You, you never know, but you know, you start to do things like this, but then, you know, we're talking about who they're losing. I mean, let me give you a, just a list of guys. This again, elemental that I just sketched up here today. Cortland Sutton, Mike McGlinchey, Ben Powers, Zach Allen, Jerry Judy. If you, you know, you could flip that with Justin Simmons if you wanted to. Alex Singleton, Pat Sertan, he's good. Um, Samaje Pirine, Javante Williams, Nick Benino, Baron Browning, Jonathan Cooper, like all of your pass rushers. Quinn Miners on your offensive line. Drew Sanders, the Pro Bowler, Marvin Mims, Greg Dulcich, Jaleel McLaughlin, Jaquan McMillan, like all these names. Greg Dulcich, all these guys are still on your football team and are still going into year two playing for Sean Payton. And that's that's a core of a football team that you're building around right now, which to bring it full circle back to where we started that's that could be the core of a winning football team coming back in year number two under under a head coach that has a great proven track record. Like uh, one of, one of the things that sort of surprised me is how dour all of this has been painted with the Broncos. And I'm not here to tell you that it's ideal. I just don't think it's that bad. I yeah. actually think the Broncos are in a in an okay place right now as bad as the Russell thing is. Yeah. And I think, I think some of what probably what has soured the end of this is, is certainly that loss to new England was gosh, darn it. One of the worst losses this franchise has had uh, among all these, like just a terrible loss. Like um, for all like the gains you've had in this season, like you you just, I mean, by far the worst of the season, um, it just, just awful. And then on the heels of that comes the Russell Wilson thing, comes the back and forth, comes the oh my gosh, we owe this quarterback a bajillion dollars. Um, but I, I'm with you, Nate. I, I think this season, again, it is, and this this perception could be helped even more, of course, by a win on Sunday. But I, I think is in a different place than a lot of these other years where you couldn't really see what was coming forward. Of course, the fact that we're back into the the quarterback thing um, is is a problem, but I think different now is that again, like we just talked about is you have a coach who knows exactly what he wants with that is known for winning with quarterbacks who, as long as they're doing the things that he wants them to do and and he seeks those things. And that's why he go again, he's going to choose to your point, whoever this guy is, he's going to choose him, whether it's, he's going to draft this guy in the first round or the third round, he's going to start Jared Stidham. He's going to go sign Jameis Winston back, whatever the case might be. He's going to choose that guy because he knows what he needs the quarterback to do offensively and understands that that person can do it, um, you know, to the degree that he needs to, will they be elite next year? No, but, but I, I think this idea that they are going to get 
appreciably worse and they're, they're, they're restarting and all this stuff. Like, no, you, you just laid out who they have on this team. Like they have a lot of young, like some, some young promising players. Yep. They, 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 they got to get a blue chip performer with that first round pick, whoever it ends up being, um, because they haven't had one of them suckers in a while. <laughs> um, so they, uh, they got to do that. They, they, they really do. But, um, I, I'm with you, man. I, I think that um, it's it's going to be fascinating to see how the Russell Wilson thing plays out. I think the Broncos probably have would would like that to come sooner rather than later, so that they can get on with the business of saying, "All right, what's what's the rest of this picture going to look like? What's the plan? Yeah, and, and what are we going to construct?" And you know, one one final thought on all of this: last year when Sean walked through the door, and and you know went and Mike McGlinchey and Ben Powers and Zach Allen and just you know spent a fortune of of the penners and the waltons money this offseason was never going to be that anyway mm-hmm. so right. um th- this is the start of the build back up to guys that are sean payton type of guys um but i i'm very interested to see what it's all going to look like and uh and I'm very intrigued. I I find this team fascinating. It'd be a lot more fascinating if we were like talking about a playoff game. Um, but this is this is how the Broncos. This is their version of giving us interesting and in what it's been for the better part of almost a decade now since 2015. Yeah, and and from our perspective, like let's thank let's thank them for the the content that they provided at the very That's end right. of the year when we're all trying to you know <laughs> trying to usher in the new year with with our numbers on top and all those sorts of things like um man what a what a thing to talk about and and it's gonna get it's gonna continue to to roll so I, i'm with you i think it's gonna be a fascinating off season um th- there's a lot to like about what's been what's been going on just in terms of like having things to to discuss and talk about so yeah, man. We'll have you back. Thank you for allowing me to come on your podcast and wildly speculate. This <laughs> is this is what happens when when a quality journalist like yourself allows talk radio to poison the waters. Oh no, man. Spice it up. That's what we're here for. So, <laughs> um, that's again, that's Nate Kreckman. You can catch him Monday through Friday, three to six PM here in Denver on Altitude ninety two point five, the Kreckman and Lindahl show. Um, and every so often I'll pop on there and spew some nonsense as well. So, um, thank you all again. Happy new year to everybody. We really appreciate again, every month, it seems more of you are tuning in. We appreciate that significantly. And until next time, thanks for stopping by.